Thank you, ladies. Amen. I'm going to start a new series uh, today. God has laid on my heart lately the need to be awakened and to be revitalized to his heartbeat. And so I want to start a series for a few weeks on a passion for the gospel, the good news. We live in an age where there's all kind of news that vies for our ears and our hearts. But what about the good news? And the title of the message, How to Become a Christian, we're going to look at a familiar passage in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. So I'm going to ask you to stand in our Lord's honor as I read the text. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, here we gather, and we are grateful that You are here. Lord, my prayer is simple, to be filled with your spirit, Father. I need your passion, Father. I, Lord, um, just need you to be a part of uh, the rest of this time. So, Father, just work. Lord, we want to hear from you. So, guide us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. I thought about church, church life. And, and guys, as I thought about it, I thought you have a monotonous church and you have an excited church. Now, what, what is monotony? Monotony means doing the same thing over and over. Guys, it's, it's going through the motions instead of walking with the Master. You see, we have a choice. And, and what happens is our natural digression... It's to go through the motions. It's to lose our passion. It's to lose our love. It's to lose sight of Jesus. 
And I thought about this. I thought, what is the difference between a church just falling into monotony, just going through the motions? Here we go again. We've got to go next week. We have to fulfill our obligation to God. We have to make Him happy and come to church. What's the difference between monotony and excitement? I think it comes down to a question that's been on my mind this week as I prepared for this lesson. It's simply this. It deals with the gospel. You know, the gospel's news, specifically good news. And here's the question that I give to you. And I think it's a very important question for the child of God. Is the gospel in your life, is the gospel the good news or has it become old news? Is it the good news or has it become old news? Through the years, I've had opportunity to talk to people about Jesus and uh, several of the presentations that have been popular through the years have dealt with a question. Let's say you're standing before God and He asks you the question, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And guys, when I have used that question and when I have talked to people, many times I have heard an answer that basically went like this. I'm a good person. And I do good things. And then I've, I, I sat and I, I listened to them to tell me why they're a good person, why they've done good things. As they've listed their good works. And then afterward, I had an opportunity to share the gospel. The fact that I can't be good enough. The fact that what I've done is not enough to meet my need for forgiveness. It's not a matter of what I do. It's a matter of what he's done. It, it, it's a matter of Calvary. And, and I love the old picture that H.A. Ironside used to tell when he preached. He said back in the days of the prairies, there, there were some covered wagons and they were headed out west. And, and suddenly in the distance, they saw the fire coming as the high grasses were caught on fire. And it was coming so fast, they had to make a mind quick. What are we going to do? Or, or we're going to end up toast. And so one of the guys behind him lit the grasses and they caught on fire and once that burned up he said all right back up and then as the fire approached you know everybody was upset and, and everything but he said it's okay he said how can you be so calm he said because where we're standing the fire has already been there's nothing left to burn up and you see that's really the fact of the gospel when jesus died on calvary the fact before a holy god that we were headed toward punishment that we were headed toward fire he took the fire he, he you know we're standing on ground that has already been consumed because jesus took what was meant for us he he died for us that we might live that we might know forgiveness that we might know hope and, and see the fact of the matter is that needs to be good news not old news and what happens to us is it becomes old news oh hey once i i, I didn't tell you this, i get through the gospel and this happened i don't know how many times I share that message. It's so basic. And the person says, yeah, I did that years ago. I've already done that. Man, what is wrong with us? I've already done that. Hey, listen, when the gospel becomes old news, yeah, I did that years ago. You can just kind of catalog that away. I'm saying, no, no, it, it, it shouldn't be an afterthought. It should be the heartbeat of God's people. Hey, man, we become a church that's just, oh, i got to go again. What's happened? It's become old news instead of the good news. 
We don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve God's mercy. We don't deserve His forgiveness. But He's chosen to reach out to us. And the fact of the matter is, as we look at the story of Nicodemus encountering Jesus, it was a face-to-face, mind-to-mind, heart-to-heart encounter. And it's still true. Anyone who's headed to heaven, anyone who has a relationship with a living God has a confrontation with Jesus that's face-to-face, mind-to-mind, and heart-to-heart as He grabs a hold. And all of us who have met Jesus with this face-to-face, mind-to-mind, heart-to-heart encounter have what we call a testimony. And a testimony consists of three parts. What life was like before that encounter? What life was like before the face-to-face, mind-to-mind, heart-to-heart encounter with Jesus Christ? And then that encounter... And then third, since that encounter, how it's changed and transformed my life. That it's not just an old news, it's the good news. And still the good news in my heart. It's my heartbeat. It's my life. That's a church that's excited. That's a church that's alive. Where, the, where it's good news, not old news. Good news. That's the story. Uh, my best friend through the years called me last night we talked to each other about once a week and uh, he's a guitarist and he told me he said Todd I, I could on this show on guitars guitarists and he said I really I, James Taylor was going to be on I was interested in what James Taylor would say about the guitar and all that and he said man I missed it I cut it on late and there was this guy he was an old acid rocker and I can't remember his name now he told me his name he said he he was a wild looking dude and I thought I don't even want to hear what he has to say he said, I, I went to cut the TV off. And he said, my life has changed. I got saved. Jesus Christ has entered my life. All the stuff that used to matter to me, it's all it's changed. And he said, man, I almost missed it. That was the greatest thing that happened to me this week. And I almost missed it. What happened to this guy? Maybe at some point it was just, oh, I've heard that. I've heard that. But then he heard it. It became good news. And it became forgiving news. It became a new heart. Because why? What happened to this guy? He had a face-to-face, mind-to-mind, heart-to-heart encounter. That's true for everyone who comes into God's kingdom. Now, for some, you may have come in as a little child. You know, it's so deep. You can't figure it out. And yet, it's so simple. A small child can come to Jesus. Maybe that's your story. Or, or maybe like Ruth Graham, uh, you were around the gospel so much, you know you gave your heart to Christ and through the gospel, but it just kind of became such a part of your life. She said, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but I love Jesus, I know Him, and, and He's changed my life. Or, or maybe it happened when you were a teenager. That was when I came to Christ. That's when I had that face-to-face, mind-to-mind, heart-to-heart encounter. Or maybe it was an adult. Maybe it's, you know, as a young couple, you, you had kids. And, and then you thought, i got to get the kids back in church. But then when you came in church, suddenly the message became alive. It became good news and it entered your heart. Or I remember one lady, she was in her 60s. Man, all of a sudden she came to me and we talked. And what happened? In her 60s, she had a face-to-face, mind-to-mind, heart-to-heart encounter with Jesus Christ. And got to baptize her. That's the story. Uh, just one quick testimony as I uh, came through here. I was looking through a bunch of testimonies. 
and there was with Dion Sanders. You may remember uh, the athlete. And Dion talked about um, he had just won the Super Bowl. That was his highest goal. He was on a Super Bowl winning team. He was the first to come out of the locker room. He was the first to go to the press conference. He was the first to go home. And he went immediately to bed. His wife said, don't you have somewhere to go? And he goes, no. And he just went to sleep. He said he got up that week. He bought a $275,000 Lamborghini. He said he's still empty. Went played baseball for the Cincinnati Reds after that. Empty. He said, finally went to his lawyer and he said, man, I am depressed. I don't even know what's wrong. I'm searching for something. I'm meeting my goals, but it's not enough. And his attorney shared with him Jesus. He shared with him the good news. And uh, then he went and he met with a guy, and I think about the Jones, uh, Trey, and you different guys. He, he played for the Washington Redskins at the time. This guy, and uh, um, matter of fact, I was sitting here looking for his name here. Got Mark. Sorry, guys, I'll get it. Oh, here it is, Mark Logan. There you go, Trey, I'll get that to you. Time he's with the Redskins. He met with him for three hours in IHOP as Mark Logan shared with him the good news of Jesus Christ. He went home. I'm just going to read his words here real quickly. Uh, Dion says, I was lying there in bed about four in the morning when I awakened by awesome lights in my room. He says, I remember opening my eyes just the slightest bit and saying, God, if that's you, take me, take me, Lord. And I was trembling all over. Before long, it was silent and lights disappeared. Then I got up, opened my Bible, and the passage, it said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. The words hit me like a ton of bricks. I knew they were meant for me, and at that moment, I was delivered. I put my trust in Jesus. I asked Him into my life. And as soon as I realized what I had done, I was so excited I had to tell somebody. I got on the phone, called my attorney and said, Eugene, I did it. I got saved. After that, little things started to change. I just started feeding myself day by day, constantly growing in the faith. Then there would be a storm there and I'd stumble. But I knew I had to keep going. The first time I ever gave my testimony, I felt better than I'd ever felt. Telling about the trials and tribulations of a professional athlete. It was like the Lord spoke to me and said, don't be ashamed of me. He told me to have courage. Go on, speak what he had done in my life. And it was just a complete and total transformation that began to work inside of me. What is it? It's once again that story of a face-to-face, mind-to-mind, heart-to-heart encounter with Jesus. That makes all the difference. It's where it becomes really good news. And guys, that's the heartbeat. That's our mission. That's the great commission. He says to go out, make sure it never becomes old news. It needs to be good news. And and, and that needs to be us, guys. That needs to be our heart where it it is good news. Now, let me get to the passage here. Uh, In chapter 3, we read about this guy, Nicodemus. He was one of the ruling council. There were 70 on the Sanhedrin court. They were judges. Matters would come among the people and they would come to the Sanhedrin. Those issues were to be solved. He was a man that knew the Old Testament scriptures. He was a man who was considered to be wise. He he was a thinker. He he was an intellectual. And he had a heart for God. He wanted wanted to learn about God. His mind was there. His his heart was there. But as he looked at Jesus, something was missing. 
as he looked at all of his studies and as he looked at all of his accomplishments, there was still a gnawing hunger there. And then when he saw Jesus, he saw things like a man who was blind suddenly yelled out, I can see after meeting Jesus. A man who was deaf, his ears were opened. And he began to sing praises to Jesus. A man who had a crutch and, and he was lame. But then suddenly he's dancing in the streets. Why? Because of an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I think what got Nicodemus more than anything was he thought, you know, I'm committed to God. I'm studying the scriptures. I'm seeking him. I'm doing everything. Why can't I do those miracles? Why, why not when I speak, do people not respond to me like that? What is, what is it? What's missing? I don't get it. And so he set up this meeting, scared of the Palestinian paparazzi, because he was a celebrity. And he goes to Jesus by night, and he meets with Jesus. And Jesus blows his mind. He, he says, we know your teachers come from God. No one can perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, no one can come to the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Well, here's a guy, he's a thinker. Here's a guy, he's, he's used to dealing with what he can see, what he can touch, what he can hear, what he, what he can smell. All through the five senses, he's, he's, he's used to dealing with that way. And Jesus says, be born again. What are you talking about? I, you know, I can't go back into my mom's womb and, and be reborn. And, and what are you talking, you know, he, he's trying to piece it together. And, and as he shares with Jesus, and he says, how can a man be born when he's old? Jesus answered, verse 5, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. In other words, Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, your little world's too tight together. You plan everything out. You're used to controlling all the circumstances. You're used to having all the answers. But God's not like that. You can't put God in a box. When God's Spirit moves, He moves in accordance with His power because He's in charge. Not you, Nick. He was the first Nick at night, by the way. And Nick at night, he, he got, Jesus was saying to him, you can't control God's Spirit. What you need is a face-to-face, mind-to-mind, heart-to-heart encounter with the living God. It's not what you know. It's God you need. You need this spiritual transformation, Nick. That's what you need. And I want you to notice with with him. um, Verse 10, he says... um, Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? He didn't understand. Here's a guy that's brilliant, but he was missing the point. Verse 11, I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we've seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. Number one, he didn't understand. Number two, he didn't accept the testimony. Third, verse 12, I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Third, he didn't believe. So Jesus goes forward. Now, you know, Jesus could have could have came down on him with some serious rebuke. But I think it's, it's a good point for all of us here. You don't argue people into the kingdom of heaven. 
I had a friend one time. I wanted him to come to Jesus so bad. We got in this big argument. We were about ready to get in a fist fight. That did not bring him closer to Jesus, I guarantee. Jesus did not try to twist his arm, manipulate him, anything. He just spoke to him. He spoke to him with conviction. He spoke to him with authority, but not to belittle him. Uh, as he spoke to him, uh, he spoke clearly to him. He said, uh, no one's ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Nicodemus is looking at, at Jesus. He's trying to figure it all out. And, and Jesus, knowing that he's a man that knows Jewish history, goes back into Numbers 21, and you guys can check that out later, which is where they were in the wilderness in Numbers 21, and the people start griping and complaining, and God sends these snakes, and they start biting the people, and of course everybody's upset, they, and they want to get away from the snakes, and, and so God gives this command to Moses to build this bronze snake and to put it on a pole and to have it elevated, and the people are to look at the snake, and when they look at the snake, they will be healed and the snakes will go away. To look and believe. Jesus making a brilliant analogy to Nicodemus. He's saying, you don't know what's going on. Things are out of control. And, and you're crying out to God for answers. That's why you're here. And what you need to do is to look and believe. That's what it is, Nicodemus. It's not you having all the answers. Look and believe. I'm bringing you good news, Nicodemus. Look and believe. That's what it is. That's what he's sharing. That, that, that's his clear heart to Nicodemus. And then that beautiful scripture that we all love. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel in a nutshell. Hey, uh, that verse so beautifully so beautifully outlines the gospel, doesn't it? Uh, first, for God so loved the world, God loves everybody. <laughs> but there's a problem. It, it says uh, we're headed to perish, shall not perish. Uh, that obviously uh, uh, there's a problem. And so because of that problem, he sent his one and only son. And when we look and we believe on the one that was sent, Jesus Christ, We'll have eternal life. We won't perish. I'll go on and read the next verse. He said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So the, the question comes back to your ball court, to my ball court. Good news. Jesus came. Jesus died for you. Jesus says, look and believe. What are you going to do? Are you going to look? Are you going to believe? Are you going to walk away and miss him? I thought it was interesting here. Uh, I think at this point, Jesus had Nicodemus' attention. I think he was standing. I think he was amazed. I think he was looking. But there's no evidence at that moment that he believed. Now, we turn to John chapter 19, near the end of the book. and Jesus has given up his spirit. He's died on the cross. He says it's finished. He comes with another guy named Joseph. And he comes to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. It speaks to the guy with him was a disciple. 
and there's Nicodemus. Something happened after this. How many days was he haunted? How many days did Nicodemus think about these words of Jesus? How many times did he think about this face-to-face, mind-to-mind encounter with Jesus? But it took a while for it to become heart-to-heart. And I hope, I mean, I'd love it if someone is here today and, and, and okay, you heard the about the need for the face-to-face and the mind-to-mind. But now, you know, you just haven't made that decision of the heart-to-heart. And, and it's time to pull it all together, to come to Christ. Man, we have an altar to pray at, to come before God's people, to pray right where you are, to say, Jesus, enter my heart, to forgive me, and, and to believe, to look and to believe, and, and to find life and forgiveness. That's the good news. And then the second uh, part of the invitation, as I get ready to close, for those of us who have heard the good news, who have responded to the good news, but it's become old news. God, shake us up. God, wake us up. God, if necessary, break us up so that the old news becomes fresh, becomes the good news once again. But that's our heartbeat, guys. Man, what, how God can bless a people who remember the good news. I want to share with you. This is a, an obituary. I say, wow, preacher, there ain't an obituary here from 2003 from a guy uh, named Bill Bright. Some of you maybe have not heard the name Bill Bright. Uh, he started Campus Crusade for Christ. A friend of mine, uh, actually as part of Campus Crusade for Christ, was spent probably 20 years in China uh, working over there. They came to our house. Oh, it's been a long time ago now, but it was kind of strange because we couldn't hear them. And after a while, we found out what happened was in China, they were so afraid of their home being bugged, they had gotten used to whispering. And I thought, man, I have it so easy. But anyway, I want to read part of this uh, from Bill Bright. William R. Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, the world's largest Christian ministry, died today from complications related to pulmonary fibrosis. He was 81, fueled by his passion to present the love and claims of Jesus Christ to every living person on earth. Dr. Bright spent more than five decades building and leading Campus Crusade for Christ. As the world's largest Christian ministry, Campus Crusade for Christ serves people in 191 countries through a staff of 26,000 full-time employees and more than 225,000 trained volunteers working in some 60 niche ministries. Bright was motivated by what is known as the Great Commission, Christ's command to carry the gospel throughout the world. In 1956, he wrote a booklet titled The Four Spiritual Laws, which has been printed in 200 languages and distributed to more than 2.5 billion people. Uh, In 1979, he commissioned the Jesus film, a documentary of the life of Christ, which has since been viewed by more than 5.1 billion people in 234 countries and has become the most widely viewed as well as most widely translated film in history, 786 languages. Uh, It says here, um, the Templeton Prize uh, in 1996 was given to him. It was worth a million dollars. Well, you know what he did with it. He donated it to the spiritual benefits of fasting and prayer. 
The answer to that's easy. He knew that for the gospel to go out there, it had to be prayer. It had to be fasting. Uh, Bright's work through Campus Crusade for Christ uh, will continue. And, and just one last thing I want to read here caught my attention. In lieu of flowers, the Bright's have requested friends honor Bill's memory through the William R. Bright Legacy Trust to further the work to which he gave his life. In other words, send it to someone who will take the gospel. What was it about this guy? The good news never became old news. Billy Graham, good friends, just a a passion to share that good news. Hey, as as I close to this point, I, I say to us, Wake me up. May he wake anyone up that needs... We just fall asleep in the light. There needs to be a passion for the gospel. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, uh, Father, as I preach, I feel the words coming back toward me. Not just out from me, Lord. Father, what do you want? Maybe today, there's been a face-to-face mind-to-mind, heart-to-heart encounter with Jesus. Maybe it's a time for that person right where they are to pray. God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Thank you for Jesus who died on that cross. Enter my heart, Lord Jesus. Make me new. Give me a brand new start. Forgive me, Lord. I will follow you. In your name we pray. God, it's such a simple prayer and one that prayed own words or those words, Lord. When it's heart to heart, Lord, you promise to enter. Your word says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Lord, maybe there's one here that's made that commitment this morning. May they come forward and share that. And with your people, Lord,